welcome to a new episode of Behind the Scenes of Happiness, Motivation for Motivators. I'm your host, Christoph Spiesens, and today I talk with counselor Natalie Rossiter, and you're in for a real treat. Coming to counseling is a sign of self-respect and courage. But does this also apply to fellow therapists, coaches and well-being professionals? What are the telltale signs that it's time to seek help? How effective is mindfulness for us? And can we play with the boundaries of conventional therapy? Let's find out. Thank you for tuning in. So today I have the huge privilege of talking to Natalie Rossiter, who is a counselor based in the Manchester area and she provides mindfulness counseling and well-being workshops for adults but also for young people in Manchester and Salford but also in London I believe Natalie have I got that right because you're about to do some events in London yes just it's a it's one-off I'm very grandly I'm I'm calling it I'm going on tour um but that's not it really at all it's it's a one-off um yeah I do a talk mindfulness for modern life and I've been doing it in Manchester for a year or so um and they've asked me to take it down to London which I'm really excited about um so sort of spreading the word down there so that's um coming up in January excellent and so first of all thank you for being on the podcast today you're welcome thanks for having me yeah no no it's great and i also saw on your website that you organize what you call walk and talk sessions which is all about on the go counseling could you tell us a little bit more about that because i wonder how it works for for bigger groups of people or is it is Mm. it do you limit um number of people well for walk and talk sessions they are one-to-one but I also do mindful walking groups as well, which is something a little bit different, um, which is if you might have heard of forest bathing, that kind of thing is sort of becoming right. quite popular now. Um, but basically it is walking out in nature and just being in the present moment. And we do that in a group and that's a really nice experience. Um, but the walk and talk sessions, like I call it kind of, yeah, counseling on the go. And basically, what I'm about really is trying to bring better mental health to as many people as possible. And the traditional format of therapy um, doesn't work for everybody or it's not quite what they're looking for. And so walk and talk is kind of for milder issues. So it wouldn't be suitable for someone who does need long-term support or who's in crisis or something like that. But as we all know, prevention is better than cure. So it's kind of something that's there for if you feel like there's an issue that's maybe starting to build up and you want to nip something in the bud or you just kind of want a bit of a check in. And the sessions take place lots of different places um, around Manchester and Salford, mm-hmm. usually parks, and uh, you know, green spaces is, mm-hmm. is nice. But I've also done them in the city centre. Um, and and we we walk as we talk as the name (laughs) suggests Mm -hmm. people really get on board with that format there's something um that kind of deals with the power imbalance a little bit as well we're on the on the same page Mm -hmm. no i I definitely understand that i sometimes take coaching clients to for a long walk and if i do if i time it right it's approximately an hour um all around Salford Keys and Media City. Yeah, and it just 
yeah it, it works and obviously you've got all the energies like the fresh air the blue sky well not yeah. off the blue sky in manchester but the, yeah. open, the, the openness <laughs> of, the, of the place is it certainly helps rather than a, uh, yeah. a stuffy therapy room i think there's something about the forward motion Absolutely. of walking that because of course the mind and the body are so linked that if your body is moving forward, your mind somehow is more open to new ideas and new way of thinking as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exercise is, is great, um, mm. for that, isn't it? I, can, ha I yeah. can be writing an article and experience writer's block or, well, what appears as writer's block. And then you go to the gym and within 10 minutes you have mm. this download of information. Yes. Because it's yeah. all connected, like you say. So forest bathing, I just want to mm. go back to that if you don't mind talk to yeah, us a little sure. bit more about forest bathing so um as far as i'm aware so i'm not a forest bathing expert i do mindful walking but what i've come to realize is that i think they're pretty much the same thing um, and it's the kind of thing that you might have seen cropping up on social media or perhaps um in newspapers and that is kind of thing inspired by any chance it is it is uh, japanese inspired i was just thinking i'm not going to attempt to pronounce the japanese word for it because i'm not 100 sure what it is um you can maybe look that up later um but yeah, but the translation is forest bathing and um, they do it in lots of different cultures. But of course, in Japan, there's lots of big cities where the, there's so much technology there um, and kind of rapid uh, growth in the cities. Mm. Um, and it's a way to kind of counterbalance some of the negative effects of that. And I think we can identify with that here as well in the UK. Um, city life is, is pretty stressful, that kind of concrete jungle thing um and so basically it's about going somewhere where there are trees and nature and obviously it's lovely if you can go out into the countryside but you don't have to do that it can just be in your local park and actually there's loads of beautiful spaces in manchester and we're really fortunate the city center is is um very urban and, and dense in that way but you don't have to go far out to find some green spaces correct yeah um, and so it's about making the most of what you've got um, nearby mm. and really it's just about being present with yourself so being embodied when you are out in nature mm. and using your senses to connect to what's around you so we all know like oh we often think oh if we're feeling stressed we go for a walk that's something that we naturally know makes us feel better but this is slightly different in that instead of while you're on your walk thinking about your problems you're kind of putting those to one side as much as is possible mm -hmm. and just being in the present. So you might notice, you know, the birds singing, you might notice all the finer details, perhaps the patterns on leaves or on the bark of trees, mm -hmm. um, you know, the, what the sky looks like today. You might feel the sensations of walking, putting one foot in front of the other, the fresh air on your face. Um, and it doesn't you shift your focus in that way yeah mm. yeah and it, it's amazing that it doesn't take long doing that at all even just a few minutes and you will notice probably your heart rate will decrease mm. and your mind will settle slightly you know it's not a cure for everything you're not going to magically suddenly feel like all your problems have disappeared but it it does shift your focus as you say and it allows you just to relax a little bit and that's mindfulness right yeah. Or, yeah or a huge part of it because i just feel listening to you natalie you've given a what i believe is a beautiful 
explanation of what mindfulness can be. Um, And if it's okay with you, I'd like to unpack this a little bit further for a moment because for many people, because mindfulness is um, such a buzzword, and these it days. is, yes. And for the right reasons, it has yeah. found a way into our lives because, my goodness, we need it. It's a huge tool. Yeah. But my question is, <clears throat> excuse me, sometimes mindfulness um, tells people to be in the moment, to be present mm-hmm. with their issues, with their problems, with their challenges. Um, yeah. Now, many people will argue and say, well, that's all I ever do is I am, I never stop thinking about my problems and my challenges. So what is, how is it different? different? Exactly. How Mm. does it differ? So that is a really good question. Um, For me, mindfulness is like a place that you can go to. So kind of a place in your mind, a point of observation. So I might use the metaphor of maybe like standing on the side of a mountain or a big hill looking down um, over a town or a village. So you're, you're observing maybe a bird's eye view is another way of looking at it, um, which kind of links into my business name, really rise above. It's that kind of perspective that you're trying to get. Mm-hmm. So the way that what I often say in, in my groups is one day when I am ruler of the world and, and don't worry, I'll be a benign dictator. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to have um, big neon signs everywhere that say thoughts are not facts. Mm-hmm. And this links into what I'm saying because it's about stepping back from your thoughts and observing them rather than being in them. So if your thoughts aren't facts, what are they? Well, they're mental events. They're things that are physically happening. So it's not about dismissing them. And it's not that thoughts are bad. Obviously, we need to be thinking and planning things and organizing things. So it's not that that's bad. But there are some thoughts that are unhelpful, things that are stuck on repeat or things that hold us back. Right. And so it's about observing that. So for me, mindfulness is a way of looking at that and kind of going, oh, look at that judgment that's just popped in. That's interesting kind of a gentle curiosity, what's that about? Where's that come from? Do I need it? You know, or can I try and um, change that? So is it about detachment? Yes. Yeah, detachment and observing your thoughts. Mm. So without judgment, and that's really important. Mm. So without, okay, without judging ourselves for having those thoughts in the first place. Yes, that's unhelpful as well, because then we just kind of get into another sort of cycle of, oh, I shouldn't be thinking like this. And we just kind of get caught back up in it all again. So it's instead it's having that curiosity about, oh, what's going on here? Where's that come from? We might know instantly like, oh, that's a a record from my childhood, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, or or maybe I'm feeling frightened and that's why I'm thinking in this way. And that thought leads to a behavior Mm -hmm. or something. So it's it's all about self-awareness, trying to understand ourselves from moment to moment. I wonder, um, and as always, I have to be a little bit devil's advocate because the the name of the podcast is Behind the Scenes of Happiness. Uh, Yes. Do you sometimes need to take a moment and sit with your thoughts and, you know, do the detachment um, process yourself? Yes, of course. I'm a human being. Um, so absolutely, the, the mindfulness is a practice. Mm-hmm. And there's another thing I like to, to say when I'm teaching mindfulness is that there, there aren't any mindfulness Olympics. You know, that there's no kind of 
grade you're trying to get to you're not going to get a gold star if you've done a certain amount of meditation or you've been mindful for a certain amount of time today or anything Uh like that so you know it's just a daily practice really and I'm still learning um, and people have been practicing for years and years or even decades are still learning because every moment is different Uh so yeah absolutely and I also need to take time um, just to stop, observe what's mm-hmm. going on, um, recognize patterns. And the thing with the practice, like with anything, the more you do it, I guess the quicker I might get. So I, I know my own triggers and um, I know my own behaviors. And so I can spot things a lot easier and go, ah, okay, I think I'm about to go down that path and, and try and reroute it. Excellent. Excellent. And it's, um, thank you for answering the question so honestly. And it, it leads me nicely into the, my follow-up question because there mm-hmm. is a statement on your website um, that says, coming to counseling is a sign of self-respect and courage. And I yes. love that and I understand it. But self-respect and courage for our peers might be a different issue. Um, mm. Because often there seems to be this belief that as therapists, as coaches, as holistic well-being practitioners, etc., we should always know how the world works, so to speak, and we should never feel down or, or that help is beyond our reach. Mm. Um, so self-respect and courage are yeah. challenges potentially for for people like us um what's your what are your thoughts around that yeah Do you work i think with you're coaches right. or is it just the general public or um i have worked with coaches and mentors before um but usually most of my work is yeah with with the general public right. um, people from all walks of life which is great something i really love about this work um, but yeah, I think you're right that there's this kind of un, really unhelpful and kind of ironic, really, idea that, um, you know, once you become some kind of um, working in some kind of holistic way as a, as a therapist, as a coach or something like that, or a mindfulness teacher, that therefore you've got it all figured out um, and you don't need any help or support. You don't need to go to therapy. Um, and well, I just think to be honest, I think it's a load of rubbish. <laughs> and if people think like that, they kind of need to get over themselves a little bit because we're all works in progress. And yes, there's, you know, if, if you've done, so for example, in my training, which was a four year training, um, I had to be, the, my particular course requirement was that I had to be in therapy for the majority of that time. Mm-hmm. So I have done a lot of work on myself. Um, and so the likelihood of me um, getting to a point where things were really, really difficult for me and I really needed some help desperately. Mm-hmm. But probably lower because I, I know myself better having done that work. But that doesn't mean that I'm immune um, mm-hmm. to difficult times or struggling in any way. It just means that perhaps I've got more tools to be able to deal with it. Um, but sure. yeah, I think it's so important for anyone who supports other people in an emotional capacity um, to be able to support themselves first really yeah and then what, what what are some of the of the the tell signs that coaches or helpers um, might experience 
in your opinion, that it's time to seek some help? Mm. Um, I would say feelings of overwhelm. Mm -hmm. So that could be, could manifest in a lot of different ways. It could be a a physical feeling of kind of um, perhaps feeling drained or very tired um, for no obvious reason, Mm -hmm. even at the start of the day. Um, You might notice it in um, difficulty connecting when normally that wouldn't be a problem for you, that you might find a sort of bit of a, you hold um, back. Mm. Yeah, you mm. hold back because mm. you're just at capacity, maybe. You might struggle with empathy. You know, I've noticed before in kind of mild ways. So, again, so knowing my own signs and knowing uh-huh. when oh, uh-huh. I need to think about having a break or something like that, or um, just reducing my, my clinic slightly. When you kind of notice that your empathy is fading slightly and you're quicker to judgment than you would mm-hmm. normally be mm-hmm. and i think oh well, what's that about and it just means i'm just getting tired sure sure um so yeah Th- this is great I'm, I'm loving this conversation because this is exactly the kind of value that i want to bring to the listeners so thank you for that i'm okay. going to step down the ladder um a little bit further yeah. if i may because sure. um, i'm very much resonating with everything that you're saying believe me because i i too am a, a helper um, yeah. I, I am an empath i'm a coach yeah and one thing that i'm working on is and i'm not turning this into a private therapy session but <laughs> I, I think listeners might resonate with it for me when i don't when i'm at capacity so to speak yeah um, and yet I want to keep on helping because that's how we are wired. That's how, yeah. That's our purpose. Mm-hmm. And I can't, then there's an awful lot of guilt that kicks in. Mm. Does, that, yeah. does that make sense? Um, yeah, what, it makes what, what are your sense. thoughts around that? Yes, well... Guilt that I'm not, I'm not owning my life purpose. I'm not showing up to the way, you know, mm. to the extent that I could be showing up, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Overdrive, yeah. isn't it? Absolutely. And I think a lot of us, and I'm, I put myself in this um, camp too, have come into this kind of work because somewhere along the lines, it's become a part of who we are to help people. It's um, part of our personality. It's just part of what we do, part of our narrative. And it could even be a part of our um, conditions of worth. I don't know if you're familiar with that phrase, um, but it, it, it basically means, um, and this would be something that we would um, have, have have got hold of usually early on in life in our childhood. Mm-hmm. It can develop later as well, but condition of worth can be basically I am acceptable so long as or if I do this. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, so sometimes that can be a reason for guilt, um, which is actually might not be connected to what's really happening mm-hmm. in the present, um, but it's more about the past. And I, I know I've experienced that when. Um, Earlier on in the year, I had flu, and so I had to take a couple of weeks off work. Mm-hmm. And I felt guilty. Of course, I had to cancel sessions with clients. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was very aware that I was, I was feeling guilty about it, but also aware that there was nothing I could do about it. It's just one of those things. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was actually really reassuring to come back to work and realize my clients were all totally fine. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of humbling. And I think we can actually... The, the danger sometimes of um, being in a helping profession is it can unintentionally become a bit narcissistic. 
like oh if I'm not around these people won't cope and that just well it doesn't give our clients very much credit to be honest and it obviously they do need your support that's why they're coming for whatever service it is that you're offering but um they're not completely helpless or if you are working with people who are completely helpless there must be some other framework in place you can't be the only person who's keeping them afloat no because that wouldn't be the right setup no it wouldn't be that the the, you know the power balance would be all wrong there wouldn't it so sometimes we have to kind of take that step back and go actually you know the the guilt comes from other things in my life Mm -hmm. and because it's important to me to help people and I feel like I might not be doing that Mm -hmm. um because I need to take time off or reduce my clinic hours or whatever it might be and so it's allowing that feeling and again being curious about where it comes from which is because we connect dots here that's that's what mindfulness is about isn't it where does the feeling come from where do i nip it in the bud like you said earlier yes. um, yeah yeah and the, the the thoughts are not facts so you know mm-hmm. i might be lying there in my sick bed thinking oh god i should be seeing such and such a client today and they'll be so disappointed i've cancelled my session and they'll be thinking this and they'll be feeling that and all of that's just like a worst case scenario that's playing out mm-hmm. you know because of uncertainty or anxiety and it it's not truth at all mm-hmm. if, well, we, I, if we're not aware of that then we can't we can't notice it and go oh i seem to be telling myself this really horrible story mm-hmm. but maybe there's another option i'd say i'm, I'm getting a lot better uh, at the whole guild thing um for what, what i often use is i reflect on my intention and if I ask myself the question, was it my intention to be ill? Well, of course not. Boom, no. there we go. That's enough. My intention yeah. is to show up and and see what, what I can do, you know? Um, yeah. A seminar or a one-on-one session or, or a talk. My intention is to show up and do good. Yeah. And, and that's it. Um, yeah, and, and that's I, enough. I, I, find that, I find that very helpful when my mind does go into overdrive. Um, because mm. it's a real thing. And... and you know, on the positive side, um, we are professionals and we do care and we want to do good and we want to yeah. do well. We want to do a good enough job. Let's, let's you know, let's put yes. it that. Yeah, we want like, to have a positive impact. Exactly. And or you and I yeah. might be invited to, to do a talk to a large audience and goodness, you wouldn't want to let the organizer down or the, no. or the, or the people, you know, who come to the event. Mm. So, but that's where that can potentially cause an awful lot of stress and mm. kickstart the anxiety, the panic attacks, blah, 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 potentially all of that yeah. sort of thing. So that's where the mindfulness is. Okay, this is what's happening. Yes. This is useful. This is acceptable. And this isn't. And yeah. separating the two. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And because if you, you're operating from that place of observation, of slight detachment, mm-hmm. you know, you're never going to be completely detached, but as in you're, you're watching what's going on rather than just completely in it, then you can feel that feeling of, oh, I'm disappointed that I, I'm going to have to cancel that event or whatever it is or say no to that opportunity mm-hmm. or something. Um, I, I'm disappointed and it does cause me worry. But also you've got that perspective to see, well, look, it's not the end of the world. No. Like, no one's really suffering here. And exactly what you said, you focus on what you can do, what, mm. what is within your control, mm. and it, how you communicate to them is within your control. So what you say about the fact that 
you can't come or whatever the situation might be and what you do after it those are things that you can that you can do and, and sometimes you can peel back the you know the layers of the onion as they say um what i discovered a couple of years ago natalie was that my fear of disappointing people like an organizer for example an event mm-hmm. organizer actually stand back from like you said earlier from when i was much much younger and the fear yeah. of disappointing people um so things are so often connected in our lives that it's well worth taking a mo- taking a step back and explore yeah. where that issue lies mm. the root cause of it isn't it because yeah i mean if if you can't deliver your talk or you can't mm. see your clients like you said it's not the end of the world no no, but it's actually it feels like, hard. oh my God, there is so much riding on this and they will never get back in touch with us. And we've missed every opportunity for the, for the rest of our lives. Yeah, and that's just it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we tell ourselves all these, um, you know, like doomsday scenarios. And that's usually because there's some uncertainty involved and human beings aren't very good with uncertainty. We like to fill in the blanks, but we tend to fill them in with our insecurities. So yeah. uh, actually do ourselves a disservice. But yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. Usually if we feel like our reaction kind of might be slightly out of proportion or we just feel something very intensely, it's often to do with more than just what's happening in the present, but mm-hmm. something else that's, that's gone on in our lives. And as you say, if we're being mindful, if we're being self-aware, we can start to notice that and unpick it a little bit. What is your favorite way of staying in good mental shape um, Mm. in relation to your work? I know if we could break it down in terms of preparing for a session and then how do you maintain your energy throughout the session and how do you decompress? Now, obviously, I understand Mm. that mindfulness is is already a huge part of that, but is there other, other tips and tools that you can share with the listeners? Yeah, so um, when I'm preparing for a session, um, for me, so if I, it might be about setting up my room, um, so the little rituals that I might do, like putting the candles on, making sure the cushions are fluffed up on the chairs, um, that the lighting is right. Um, so it's those kinds of things that I'm kind of preparing myself to welcome somebody into the space. Mm-hmm. Um, if I, um, I wouldn't do this before every single client, but perhaps at the start of the day, or maybe sure. if I'm in a very busy day, then I might do, um, my favorite meditation is the three minute breathing space. Mm-hmm. Um, because as the name suggests, it's only three minutes, um, and provides a little moment of kind of grounding and calm. Setting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Things like that help. Mm-hmm. And the same at the end of the day, actually, when I'm, you know, when I've finished my last notes for the day and I've seen my last client and it's that transition from then like my work life to my home life, which if I'm I'm working at home that day is literally a walk across the garden because I have a little Uh um, therapy uh, summer house, um, basically a fancy shed um, (laughs) that I work from (laughs) in my garden. So the, the physical distance, there's not much. And so I have to create some emotional space Mm -hmm. between the two. And so it's that, you know, shutting down of the computer, blowing out the candles, turning off the lights and kind of going, okay, what I've done, I've done what I can here Mm. and I'm leaving that here for today and kind of letting it go and being conscious about that. We mentioned the um, forest bathing earlier and the the link to Japan. Um, Your your fancy shed, uh, summer house in the back of your garden took me 
right back to my time in Japan because uh, I used to spend oh. approximately two years there working for Japan Airlines many, many oh. years ago. Um, and Zen Garden is mm. laid out in such a way that you actually purify your spirit by the time you have, you're ready to enter the tea house. So oh, wow. it's not dissimilar to to what you described. It's like you need to kind of decompress and reset your mind, uh, yes. your energy field between the summer house and and your 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 actual house, right? Um, yeah, it's, it's absolutely. Beautiful. Otherwise, I'm bringing all of the client stuff yes. in mm. with me, mm. you know, and often I'll go in and I'll sit down and have dinner with my husband and I, I don't want to bring all of that stuff in like that it can stay out there. So I have to make a conscious effort to let go of it. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, you're not a robot. Is there, are there times where you need additional time to decompress, as I call it? Where the walk yeah, is wasn't just quite long enough, or mm, yeah, definitely. Some clients stick with you. I mean, mm. I, I think of all of my clients, sort of in, in between sessions, often, but some really kind of stick in your mind um, or have an impact. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's when I might practice a particular kind of meditation, perhaps one that's around letting go. I might do some journaling. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the most healing things are often the most simple ones so going for a walk is certainly something i would do Mm -hmm. um and spending time with my dog actually he is the best mindfulness teacher i've ever met yes he's the guru (laughs) (laughs) because he's always in the moment um and he's very cuddly so things like that kind of help Uh back to myself and then of course that's what supervision is for so all counselors and therapists supervision um and so that's even knowing that that's coming up maybe if you know it's next Mm. week or something just making a few notes this is how I felt after a session with this client and this is what I want to talk about knowing that that's coming up and you've got that support there can be enough to put it aside Mm -hmm. for the time being what's your dog's name Natalie he's called Gizmo Gizmo yeah yes and he's such a perfect example because he's um he's an old boy now he's um nearly uh, he's 14 mm-hmm. um and he's a crossbreed and he's a rescue dog we got him from the rspca mm-hmm. and uh he's got three legs oh. and that, he, he's old now so he's a bit slow but when he was younger he would still run incredibly fast but the perfect thing about it is people would go oh god he's got three legs mm. and you know kind of get upset about it and then I go, just look at him though. He's so happy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He's not there in the park, you know, rolling in the grass or chasing a squirrel going, oh God, this is rubbish that I've got three legs. Uh-huh. He's not thinking that. He's thinking squirrel. Brilliant. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, he's an example to us all. <laughs> yeah. Gizmo teaches us a lot. He does. Mm. Yes, he's very wise. <laughs> As a final question um, Mm -hmm. for our podcast session are there things that as a therapist as a counselor you wouldn't open up about say five years ago whereas today you talk about these things freely and you notice how actually how effective that is Mm. in terms of things that you had to work through or certain concepts or words that 
in, in your world were a complete no-go, mustn't talk about that, pretend everything's fine, stick to the stick yeah. to the handbook, the textbook, whatever. Whereas now you say, Do you know what? No, times have changed and, and we are human beings too. This is what we this is something that I experience and, and the more I talk about it, the more it actually helps people. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. I think it, it comes with practice and I'm sure that's true, whatever um, job role that you have. Um, the more you do it and the more comfortable and confident you become. And I suppose you, you try things out, don't you? You see what works um, and you let go of some of the perhaps more rigid things that you might have been taught. You know, certainly in my, my training, there was things, things that you do and things that you don't do. Um, and actually, to be honest, the walk and talk idea came mm-hmm. out of that because that, you know, from a very sort of traditional therapy viewpoint, that is a big no-no. Um, <laughs> and they would be freaking out about boundaries. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> and yet and, it's so effective and so needed. Yes. Uh. Yeah. And people love it because, like I say, if they either can't afford to come to regular therapy or actually that's just not really the format that they need it to mm. be in. Um, then you know this is something they can access and of course there are boundaries they're just a bit different mm-hmm. um, so yeah it's a, it's a bit of trial and error and, and working out sure. what feels good and having that confidence to to try things see how it feels and then be honest about it you know what works what doesn't work um, but yeah and I, I think I I self-disclose more than I did that was another thing that would be a no-no when mm-hmm. I was training, not to, to talk about myself. Mm. And obviously it's, it is the client's time, so I don't just sit there going on about what's going on with me. But um, if there's something, if I feel like I'm sat on a piece of information or an experience that really connects with what the client's talking about, mm-hmm. it, it seems kind of almost cruel to not say it. Um, especially as I work with a lot of um, trainee counsellors. It's one of my favourite client groups. Um, to work with and I've seen you know I obviously check in with them what it's like for them to to hear me talk about it but when they when I talk about oh well actually when I was training I remember feeling that that exact same way as you and this is how I think about it now Mm. and it's kind of like giving them sometimes a bit of a light at the end of the tunnel going oh okay like you know because here am I you know they they think oh I've made it in inverted commas I'm working full-time as a counsellor which might Mm. be their goal but to know that I experience those struggles too I think can be really reassuring for them and that is precisely the the vision for this podcast is it's you know behind the scenes and often that's the real stuff that really motivates people because Mm. the tools and the techniques are out there they already exist but it's how people go through them live them and 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 experience them um and then come out on the other end being a better professional and a better source of strength and support for others that's that's inspirational so i think a nice way to uh i think we've come full circle here in the conversation yeah yeah that's great um in closing, Natalie, when is your next walk and talk in the Manchester area? Well, walk or and where talk. Where people find more, out more about the upcoming yeah. events? 
walk and talks i book um the ad hoc so people can contact me to arrange yes. those mm -hmm. i'll be doing some more mindful walking mm -hmm. groups um i did some in autumn and i'm having a little break for those over the winter um and be starting those again in spring um and then i'm doing my uh, mindfulness for modern life life talk in january there's one in manchester and one in london right um, and if people want to find out about those, there's information on my website, which is riseabovecounseling.com. And I'm on social media too. I mainly use Instagram, to be honest, and that'd be riseabovencr. That's where you can find me. So before I forget, um, yep. send um, our love to Gizmo. I will do. I'll go give him a cuddle right after. Give him a big cuddle. Uh, He's on the sofa. Does he come with you on your on your walks, on your mindfulness walks? He doesn't because he's got arthritis now, bless him. So he right. couldn't walk for an hour. Um, but sometimes um, clients in there when they're come and see me at home when they're when I'm in my uh, fancy shed, sometimes he does come and join us. Beautiful. Um, Natalie, thank you so much for being a wonderful guest today. Um, I've oh, thoroughly enjoyed the conversation and I'm sure there's a lot of value in it for the Hi. listeners. Um, I hope so. I'm sure there is. So thank you again and I'll um, speak to you again soon. Bye for All now. All right, you take care. Thanks. Bye. I hope you've enjoyed listening to today's episode. If you want to connect with me, please visit christophspeesons.com and of course you can also find me on all major social media platforms. My aim for this podcast is to share as much energy and support with as many fellow well-being professionals as possible. So if you could leave some feedback and perhaps a rating on your podcast platform of your choice, that would be really appreciated so we can reach as many people out there as possible. Thank you very much and I look forward to connecting with you again on the next episode. Bye for now.